How's it going, everybody? My name is Adam. And my name's Natasha. Welcome to RCC at Home. We are so excited that you're here with us. If you're newer and checking us out, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the little bell to be notified when new videos are released here. Also, something else that you can do is head over to rccsunday.com and fill out a red card. Red cards are a great way for you to connect with us as a staff. If you have any prayer requests or comments, that's where you want to leave them. Absolutely. And today, Pastor Mike is going to be talking about the defeated mask. And so masks is the series that we've been doing and different things that we can try and take off. And defeat is one of those things. I felt a little defeated this week. Tuesday night, we had a windstorm and there was this greenhouse my wife just bought. I was going out to try and secure it and I thought it was good. But then in the morning when I let the dogs out, I... I went out, I, I looked behind the garage, and I just saw grass where the greenhouse used to be, and I had to go hunt it down and figure out where it went to, and I felt defeated. And we've all felt defeated, that was a little bit silly, but uh, we've all been there, and Pastor Mike is going to share with us some biblical wisdom on how to deal with feeling that way. We are about to jump into the next part of our service, and that is worship. We want to encourage you to take this time to just settle down and take a deep breath and really focus on the words of the song and the things that we are going to be singing. Yeah, this is your time to connect with God. Check it out. Welcome to RCC at Home. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the pastors at RCC, and I thank you for inviting me into your home right now, or your car, or into your AirPods, wherever you may be listening or watching, possibly even your hot tub. Somebody emailed me this week, and, and I won't give away any names or anything, but someone emailed me this week and said that they, they always watch the sermon with, with, with a friend in the hot tub. They, they put a, a computer out there, and they watch while they sit in the hot tub, and and uh, enjoy their morning together and, and and that's just really cool so thank you for that um, thank you for the story share your story send me an email and if I haven't mentioned where you may listen or may, where you may watch let me know it's fun for me to know those things and possibly even send a picture too now if, if you're a dude in a hot tub in a speedo I don't want to see that as I'm eating my breakfast in the morning that's usually when I look at emails so maybe that wouldn't be a good picture to send but if you have one maybe you're out in the woods or wherever that would be super fun for me to see it would be a gift to me to know that you're watching or you're listening in. I, I thank you for watching or listening in. We've been in this series for the last month or so here at RCC that we've called Masks. And what we've talked about in the series is different masks we put on to hide behind uh, as we try to deal with life, as we try to deal with how tough life, how tough life can be so often. As, as we've talked about these masks, we've talked about all sorts of different things. And you know, feel free to go back into YouTube and, and look at any of those sermons. But this week, we talk about the defeated mask. And the defeated mask is made with a mix of false expectations, perceived disappointments, raging guilt, and even repeated failures. You see, we, we get defeated inside, and then we wear our own loss of pride or self-worth like a mask on the outside, possibly embarrassed or ashamed of the defeats in our lives. Doing this, as we do this, it can be school or career, relationship, and even potential crushing. And in our spiritual lives or our relationship with God or our faith, this can be disastrous. If you ever struggle with any of this, listen in. Listen in because I want to help you today. You see, guilt and the defeated mask should have no place in any part of your life because they have nothing to do with having a healthy relationship with God. And, and that's why we're here. That's why RCC was founded and why it still exists today. The mission of this church 
is to help you take your next step in developing a relationship with God. That, that, that's why we exist. So hopefully, that's your reason for listening in right now. But as we take these steps closer to God, we all stumble, we all fail. As I search the internet for fail videos, I, have one, I want to show it to you. It's maybe just 15 seconds long, but go ahead and take a look at this little clip. Wow, right? What, like, what a huge mistake. And, and you think, how could that ever happen? But here's, here's what's crazy. I researched it a little bit. That's not the only truck that smashed that bridge. It's not the only one. That bridge is actually in North Carolina, and it's been hit 150 times since 2008. 150 times. Can you imagine the embarrassment? I mean, that's a professional driver, right? That's their job. Can you imagine the embarrassment, like, going back to work and everyone knowing that one? They're like, you smashed into a bridge? How could you screw that up so bad, right? Like, you'd be afraid to tell your boss. It would be horrible. Uh, the police had to come. You're on video now. People watch it for years and laugh at you. How in, how horrible. How embarrassing. Wouldn't you want to put on a mask and just hide? Obviously a giant mistake, right? But you know what? As I look at that, what I know, I've also made giant mistakes. And I know that you've made giant mistakes too. And you know what? Welcome to the human race. It just means you're alive. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, We all make many mistakes. I'm living proof of this verse. I bet you're living proof of this verse. What's crazy, though, is people sometimes say to me, I, I want to do this thing. I want to try this thing, whatever. But what if I fail? And I want to say, what do you mean if? Failure is a part of life. Day-to-day -day failures, like bad driving or relationship stuff or, or bad personal decisions, and even the more spiritual fails that we commonly call sins too. L look at this next verse with me. It's, it's from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's chapter 7, verse 20. It says, there is not a single person in all the earth that is always good and never sins. No kidding, right? I mean, it's, it's great that God wrote that for us. But no kidding, you know this, I know it. You don't know anyone who's perfect. You know you're not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. Everyone messes up. So let's, let's review some facts as we get started this morning. You've already failed many times in your life. Right now, you're failing in some area of your life. And you know what? You're going to fail too, many, many more times in the future. That's just life. And I know that you want to be a church family where it's okay to be real, right? And I, I try to be real with you all the time myself. I don't hide anything about myself. This one's a little embarrassing to admit since I'm a pastor here at RCC, but I'm going to be absolutely real with you right now. Before we started the church, it's called church planting when you start a new church. Before that, you have to go to something they call an assessment center, a church planter's assessment center. And it's four days long. It's all day Monday, all day and evening until you go to sleep, all the way through Thursday. Four whole days of essentially a job interview. Four whole days. And they have assessors come from all over the country. So when I went, there were, there were 16 people there being assessed whether or not they should plant a new church or not. If you're married, you have to bring your spouse. So there's, there's 16 people there being assessed, and there's probably 20 or more assessors, people from all over the country that come in for this and determine whether or not they'd recommend you plant a church or not. It, it's, it's high stress for four days. 
There's interviews. There's situations they put you in. There's scenarios they set up for you to work by yourself and as teams. You have to do speaking uh, in, in small groups. You have to teach from stage. There's other presentations you have to give about your philosophy of ministry or what you believe. There's psyche values with a psychiatrist. There's so much stuff over these four days. And then you get done and it all wraps up. And then they have this meeting with you where they make a recommendation. And, and they, they say one of three things. They might say, you know what, you're, you're a great person and all, but you're not wired to plant a church. That's just not who we see you as. We, we don't see you with that skill set. They might say that, or they might say, you're ready right now. Like, we want to help you. Let, let's, let's go plant a church somewhere. Or they might say, you could probably do it. You, you, there's, there's a good chance, but there's something you failed at. For me, there was something I failed at. I failed at public speaking. Now, it's, it's a little bit, you might be looking at this right now going, no kidding, right? No kidding he failed. Or maybe not, I don't know. But it's a little embarrassing to admit when, when most of what you see from me is public speaking. They said I, I had to work on my public speaking. It's embarrassing, I, I guess, but not really. Not really. I mean, everyone knows that we all screw up. It's not the end of the world. Failure, failure can be embarrassing, but it's not fatal. And realizing it's not fatal is essential. Successful people Successful people simply don't quit when they blow it. Successful people are, are persistent, they're determined, they're diligent, they have endurance. Successful people keep going after they've fallen. They learn from those failures. Now, if you've been around RCC for a while, you know that I'm a basketball lover. Um, I've been a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks my entire life, and I have this favorite player. His name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's on the Bucks right now, and he's just incredible. I've been watching basketball my whole life, and the stuff he does, there's things he does I've never, ever seen before any player do. It's, it's amazing. So I, so I have a quick video clip for you to, to, to share with you that, that isn't so amazing, but go ahead and take a look anyways. The layup, right? Now, what you saw right there was a clip from the All-Star Game. Giannis had been named the MVP, the, the, the best player in the entire league. And there's an All-Star Game with 20,000 people in the stands and millions and millions of people watching online. And he goes down the court like that and does his thing and dunks the ball to, 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 to look great. And he blows it in front of millions of people. Maybe it could be embarrassing, right? Not if you're a winner. Not if you're a winner. Not if you're a person that wins. He doesn't let that take him down. Here, I have another clip. Look, look at this next one. This is from another game. Giannis Euro steps and hammers. Second half has officially started. Giannis right back where he left off. Now, there, what you saw was pretty much the same move. Different game, different crowd, whatever. But he goes down the court and he does this amazing dunk that just a handful of people can do in the whole world. Making a mistake didn't throw him off. Famous athletes, professional people fail, and the good ones know it. It's not a big deal. It's part of maturing as a professional. Whatever your profession is, it's just part of maturing as a professional person. It's also part of spiritually maturing as well. Learning how to rebound from our failures is as important in the spiritual part of our lives as any other part. Maybe even more important, because if your relationship with God is a priority for you, it's so important to get past your failures. You see, I see so many people fail in some part of their life, spiritually especially, and then just give up. What I want to say to you today is, don't give up. Just don't give up. The Apostle Paul, he understood this. This is what he, this is what he writes to us in the book of 2 Corinthians. It's chapter 4. This is what he says in verses 8 and 9. 
He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles. Sound familiar? We're, we're, we're crushed and not broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. God understands this. Jesus understands this. The apostles understand it. I want you to understand it too. Do you know that one of God's primary tools in making you the kind of person he wants you to be is failure? God uses failures to mold you, to shape you, and to develop your character. So, for myself and and for you, we need to be moldable. We need to be teachable. Instead of saying, staying bogged down by your mistakes and, and stopping the development of your relationship with God because of mistakes, use your mistakes to grow closer to God. You see, when we, when we make a mistake in life, we have two options. We could sit in guilt. We could beat ourselves up about it and continue to replay the event over and over again in our mind, just getting lower and lower. Or you could consider it as valuable a valuable experience that you can use to make future experiences better. You can kind of compare it to to a pencil eraser. You see, when we make a mistake in life, it's normal to want to have the ability to just take it back, right? To have a do-over if you're a golfer, a mulligan. We want to pull out an eraser sometimes and just make the mistake disappear. Just erase it away. But even when we have the erase option, it doesn't fully go away. You can rub that eraser all over the pencil markings all you want, but there's still some remnant of the original word remaining. But this doesn't have to be a bad thing. You see, it's a reminder of where we've been and what we've learned, so we don't make the same mistakes again. It kind of comes down to this. Don't let the devil have his way with you. The devil wants to continue to point out your mistakes and how you're not worthy, how you're not good enough, how God wouldn't love you because of mistakes. But you know what? God loves you no matter what. Eraser marks and all. And I know this because this is what God has saved for us in the Bible. This is what he wants us to know. It's in the book of Romans chapter 8. This is what God wants us to know. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. This is what scripture says. Death can't separate us from God. Life can't. The angels can't. The demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. Even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Did you hear that? God loves us even when we can still see remnants of our past mistakes. Even when we fail and feel defeated. Even when we try to hide behind a defeated mask. That's because God isn't surprised when I fail. Or you fail. He knew it was going to happen. He understands. And when you fail, God doesn't stop loving you. If you've been around RCC for a while, you hopefully now know that this is called grace. Grace. Grace is love or or mercy given to you even when you don't deserve it or earn it. When you're struggling with failure and you're tempted to run from God, or hide behind a mask, probably the most important principle I can share with you today, a principle from God's word today is this, you just have to accept God's grace. In Psalm 103, uh, I think it's verse 14, it says, For God understands how weak we are. God knows how we're wired. He doesn't stop loving you 
when you blow it or when you fail. And he doesn't want you to quit working on your, on your own development of your relationship with him. He doesn't want you to stop that. He doesn't want you to walk away from that. He wants you to engage more. Even in the midst of your failures, he wants you to draw yourself to him because he will draw himself to you then. You see, we live in a performance-based society. This is what we're used to. We're, we're taught that when we succeed, we're valuable or we're worthwhile or we're significant. And when we fail, we're invaluable or not so significant. That's, that's what you've been trained to think. Me too. But that's not true with God. Your value as a person has nothing to do with your performance. God says, I love you, period. God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you could ever do that would ever make God love you more than he does right now. You don't earn it. You don't earn his love. And there's nothing you can ever do that would ever make God love you any less than he does right now. You can't lose his love. Now, I know that's pretty deep, but let's go even a little bit deeper. You see, you can fail in non-spiritual things like not making the team or bombing an exam or making a giant mistake at work like crashing your truck into a bridge. But what about spiritual failures? What about sin? Every one of us screws up at times. And each of us has habitual failures too. That, that sin, that one that you just keep stumbling over. It could be your temper. It could be your words. It could be impatience. It could be a million different things. But what does the Bible say about it? What, is, what does God say about it, right? What does God say about these sins? Well, if you look in the book of 1 John, this is what he says. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. From every wrong. From every wrong. The big ones, the little ones, all of them, even the ones you keep doing over and over again. You think, how can God continue to forgive me? How can I ask him again and again? I keep failing in this same area. You might even stop asking for forgiveness because you don't think that you're even ever going to change. Do you think God's sitting up in heaven saying, what, the same one again? Can't you think of a new sin? You've got the same ones over and over? How boring. God never gets tired of forgiving you. He loves you. If you're spiritually sensitive enough to ask and you're repentant in your heart, like you're really sorry and you really would like to change, God forgives you. It's God's nature to be forgiving. I believe in a loving, forgiving, and gracious God. As a matter of fact, I get that from the Bible. So let's look at the Bible one last time. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. God says this. God says this to you and to me, to everyone. To everyone, God says this. My gracious favor is all you need. My power, God's power, my power works best in your weakness. My weakness. God's power works best in my weakness. God's power works best in your weakness. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be super strong. God comes alongside and helps you when you're weak. That's beautiful. The Christian life is not a failure-free life. It's a life of grace. So what failures have been eating at you? Marriage failure, possibly, or career failure, school failure, financial, personal, moral, it doesn't matter. Take the defeated mask off because you don't need it. God says his power works best in your weakness. So don't run and hide from him when you're failing. Instead, run to him. Run to him. Know that you're valuable to him. Know that you can get through it with him. I, I, I showed you the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo clips earlier. And, and if you've been listening for years now, you, you may know that I love basketball, right? I, I used to play basketball. I used to coach basketball. And I would do this thing when, when the team was failing, when the team was struggling. Sometimes in games, 
you just can't buy a basket. Nothing goes in. Who knows why? Some games you're just so cold and the players can get down on themselves and lose confidence and that makes it even worse for the next game. So sometimes when we'd have a really bad game and, and we just couldn't get the ball in the basket, I, I would do this little exercise with the team. What I would do is I would, I would get a, a basketball hoop and I'd bring it to practice and, and I'd put it out on the floor, just a, a bare hoop like this, and then I'd bring a couple basketballs and as I did that, I'd walk out and show the team that the hoop was actually huge. It's huge. They can throw it in there. They should have confidence. The hoop is so big. That, that hoop that looks so small up there on that backboard that some days you just can't get the ball in. That hoop is actually big. It's so big that two basketballs basically fit at the same time. It's just it's so close. You've got to squish them a little bit. But, but they fit. Two basketballs at the same time. The hoop is huge. So look at it like it's huge. It's like throwing a rock in the ocean. Just throw it in there. Keep shooting. Keep shooting. That's what I would tell them. I would tell them to keep shooting. Sometimes, when, when they really have a bad game, I'd actually take the hoop out to center court and then hold it like this at center court on the floor, and I'd have them crawl through it. I'd have them crawl through it. You've got to take the net off or you, you kind of get stuck, right? Especially when you're a little bigger. But I'd have them crawl through the hoop, and then I'd be last, and I'd crawl through the hoop too. And I said, if that hoop is big enough for me to crawl through, if I can crawl right through it, and you can crawl right through it, you can throw a little basketball in the hoop. It's no big deal. Just keep shooting. Don't lose your confidence. Fire away. The worst thing you can do is get down on yourself. you got to keep shooting. Shooters shoot. They just keep shooting. Now, sometimes you got to work on your other skills and practice and all those things. That can be important. It is important. you got to have the right technique. But you got to keep shooting. That's life. That's life. In life, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have so many misses. you got to keep shooting. So I don't care what failure you've gone through. I don't care which one you're going through right now. It hasn't changed God's purpose for your life. God still has a place for you. God still has a plan for you. God still has a purpose for your life. So just keep shooting. Now, as I, I finish up, I'm going to be totally real with you again here. I'm as big of a screw-up as anybody else in this church or anybody else anywhere. And often, I personally feel completely unqualified to be used by God. I often feel completely unqualified to be used by God. Yet he does. You can be part of his plan too. You're good enough. God loves you. God forgives you. Don't worry about the defeats. The only, the only failure you need to watch out for in life is the failure to receive God's grace. And all you have to do to receive that grace is just believe and ask. So if you've never asked God for his grace, if you're not even sure if you're part of God's family, I'm going to help you receive that grace right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a two-part prayer. And in the first part, we're just going to pray together, and we're going to ask God for his grace to, to forgive us, to give us grace. We're going to ask him that. And then in the second part of the prayer, if you've never done it, we're going to ask God to, to adopt you into his family based on his grace, that he would forgive all of those sins based on his grace, based on your desire to know and follow his son, that he would adopt you into his family. So if you'd like to pray both of those parts or just one of those parts with me, just bow your head and, and pray in your heart along with me as I say the words. Dear Lord, thank you for being so clear in the Bible time and time again about how much you love us and how much you're willing to forgive us and how you want to be in a relationship with us. Thank you for being so clear, God. Thank you for also offering your grace 
to love and forgive unconditionally. Thank you. That's amazing. So God, right now as we pray together, we're asking you for that. We're asking for your grace. We're asking for your forgiveness from the, for the mistakes we've made. And we ask you, God, to, to give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the power to not continue to make the same mistakes again and again. Help us to learn from those mistakes, God, and change and, and help us to continue to grow closer to you. And then, Lord, for anyone who's praying with me, we ask to receive your grace and adopt us into your family based simply on knowing that you're a gracious God and based simply on us knowing that Jesus is your son. God, we will follow Jesus the best we can, just as you've directed us to. We say all this in his name. Amen. Proverbs 19.17 says that whoever is generous to the poor gives to the Lord. What an amazing opportunity. When you give here at RCC, you're giving to God and you're honoring him with your finances. Not only that, but 10% of everything given at RCC goes directly to supporting the mission field, both abroad and right here at home. The easiest way for you to give is to go to rccsunday.com. From here, you can set up a reoccurring gift. It can be weekly or monthly. It can be through your bank account or even your debit card. Also, feel free to drop off a check at our downtown location at 155 State Street. There's a mail slot. You can just put it right in there. You are all awesome. Have a great week, and remember, be the church.